Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Let them or keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And that's one of the reasons I love uh, the book of Proverbs, Uh, I had a pastor in my past who once said Proverbs 1 through 8, or maybe you could throw chapter 9 in there. He said it's a really great book for men and women of God. Uh, Specifically, he would call us men out. He'd say this is man school for you. And there's all these things just riddled in it that have all this insight for wisdom. Uh, But it's not just a book that says uh, what uh, what you should do, but why we should do it. And along with the imagery of this life as a a journey or a race, uh, it's definitely been something that's been on my heart a lot uh, as I've been in the military and now I'm in school. And it really just speaks a lot of volume that we really are on a journey. Um, One thing I was thinking of uh, as far as a slogan uh, I didn't notice any Dunkin' Donuts around here, but uh, if you're familiar with Dunkin' Donuts, they have that slogan, uh, America runs on Dunkin'. And I think that needs to be our slogan when we look at a text like this, but as we look at the whole Bible, that uh, we need to, as the church, run on the wisdom of God. And uh, I don't want to assume this morning, uh, I've, I've, I've realized that you guys are going through the Gospel of John, and... I was a bit hesitant to bring a text like this because I thought, here's a very faithful church that uh, you guys have been spending so much wonderful time through one specific book of the Bible. 
And that isn't so much to really bash other churches who kind of just stick with the topical series or, or just kind of throw out some random texts throughout the year. But it really uh, is a testimony that you guys, uh, I see a church that really is about the Word of God. And I don't want to, but I don't want to assume that we all have a perfect course ahead of us, that we're all, uh, I mean, I can attest to that too, that I still have to remind myself every day to stick to a certain reading plan or actually uh, read my Bible when I got a two-year-old running around or my wife's working a lot. Um, and the other uh, hesitation I had uh, when I look at a text like this is, uh, it was written by Solomon, and if you remember the story of Solomon, uh, he was obviously David's son, and there's a story in 1 Kings 3 that says uh, how he got all this wisdom, and what happened was he obviously took over as king, and what I love about 1 Kings 3 verse 3 is it says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. And after uh, he was in Gibeon, uh, God came to him in a dream and said, ask me for anything that you want. And he could have asked for riches. He could have asked for his kingdom to be extended. He could have asked for uh, long life. He could have asked for anything he wanted to, but he was just a little kid. And he said, you know, it might not be a bad idea uh, if I ask for something that I really need. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to govern these people. I don't know uh, really what I'm supposed to do. So I would like to have some wisdom. And so God grants him uh, to be the, the wisest man, past, present, and future. And then on top of it, he also gave him everything that he didn't ask for. And so that shouldn't really hesitate us to uh, get wisdom and to actually work at studying and reading the Word of God because it says right there that uh, he was walking in the statutes of David, his father, even as a young child. And granted, even though God gave him all this wisdom, it still is a testimony to us that there's uh, still much work for us to do. And the interesting thing about Proverbs 4 is uh, Solomon says uh, very simply that to get wisdom, the, the first thing you need to do is get wisdom. It's, 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 it seems kind of simple, but that's really what it is. And he says, uh, uh, and then whatever you get, get insight. And so there's this idea that to get wisdom, we just have to simply pursue the Word of God. We, we just need to open up our books. And I don't want this to be another sermon that just is, uh, you know, hard. Uh, hampering in on you that you need to read your Bible. We all know that, but there's a, there's a purpose behind it. There's a, a life and a breath to everything that we study. And when I think about the journey and the race, uh, this text has been one of those that uh, when I think back to my military experience, I wasn't the fastest runner. I wasn't even probably uh, that fit, really. I mean, I'm a small guy. But uh, what reminds me from this text is the idea that we always had to condition ourselves. We always had to get out there and run. Usually, uh, when I, I was in the Navy, but I was assigned to the Marines towards the end of my career. But in a, with the Navy guys, we would just kind of get out there and run in shorts and uh, some tennis shoes. But as you realize you're getting closer to being with the Marines, you've got to put more gear on. 
And those guys don't get out there and just run in tennis shoes all the time. They get out there and run with boots, and they might throw a pack on. And so being a small guy, I knew I would have to do some extra, uh, actual uh, training and conditioning personally, not just as a group. And so I got one of those weighted vests, and I'd try to start off with like 5 pounds, 10 pounds, and, and just condition myself. And then as uh, I got to my training to do all the... I'd already been to my medical training, but they would send you to... Uh, a field medical training school where they'd basically teach you how to put that into practical use out in the combat setting and taking care of the guys uh, who might get hit by an IED or get shot. And that was where I really had to start training because I realized not only do I have to carry my medical gear, I also have to carry all their stuff. And sometimes we'd kind of pick and choose what we wanted to carry, but Nine times out of ten, we were going to be carrying just a little bit more weight than the average Marine. So being a small guy, I definitely had to practice and train my body up for that. And the way I translate that into our uh, study and trying to pursue and live God's Word is, it, almost, it can seem like a burden. I mean, we would go on a 20-mile hike, and I'd have to have all this gear on my back, and I just think... What's, what's the point of this? Because I'm not going to hike 20 miles in Afghanistan. But the whole point was to get us ready for the patrols we'd be on and to basically get us ready in case the worst scenario ever happened. I mean, for all I know, yeah, maybe somebody was thinking you never know where you'll be and you might have to hike even more than 20 miles. So it, was, it, it became less of uh, concerning myself that it was a burden, but realizing that uh, what I had on my back had some use to it. I may not use every supply that I had there. I may not treat as many guys, and I really didn't. Um, I was sharing that with JD yesterday. We were talking a little bit about my service, and uh, one of the other corpsmen that was in my unit, he just, uh, I mean, God bless him, he treated more guys than I think I've ever heard anybody in our unit treating. And it's just the way God designed it that when he'd go out on a patrol, somebody would get hit by an ID or somebody would get... Uh, hit in a firefight, and what I, but what I realized about that is I still had to have that stuff there because you never know when you're going to use it. And the way that translates into our study of the Word is I don't care if you're a young student, I don't care if you're 30, I don't care if you're uh, 40 and still working and trying to get to that retirement or you're in retirement, there are still things that we need to keep throwing in our backpack. There's still things that um, if, if you're a handyman and you want to use the toolbox or uh, your tool belt analogy, there's still things that we can throw into that toolbox and into our pack that is required of us to use. And that's, that, that's where it translates into verse 13. To keep hold of instruction, do not let go of it. And uh, you'll notice that as we read it, it said her a lot, and that's just talking about wisdom. And he says, do not let guard, uh, guard her, for she is your life. And do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it, and do not go on it. Turn away from it, and pass on. So this journey that we're on, and, and whatever the age group we are, or, and, and what I like to think of, too, is uh, I also don't want to assume that every one of us is saved in this room. I don't want to assume that every one of us is 
uh, walking stronger than the person who may be sitting next to us who seems like they got it all figured out. There's going to come those times where we're trying to avoid, we're trying to figure out which route to take and which routes to avoid. And that's the other importance for why we need to be in a regular study in, in the Word. And, uh, and when they were given announcements, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I thought, thought that was a wonderful study that it sounds like you guys are doing on Sundays. And, and that's the importance of it, is, is constantly having the study, constantly coming together. And uh, like I said, you guys are doing a wonderful job, it seems, going through the book of John rather than just spitballing any old uh, topic that you can every week. And the importance of it is also we don't want to just get into this mindset that getting wisdom is just something that we do. I, I, I grew up as a kid. I was in a family of eight. And one thing I can remember seeing a lot of was my dad Every morning, my, uh, my bedroom was right by the bathroom, so 6 in the morning, 5, or whatever time he was waking up, usually pretty early, I could hear him, he'd get ready. I don't know what it is about coffee and newspaper, but I could always smell that. He'd have his uh, coffee and newspaper around there in the dining room, and no matter what the day was, I would always notice him. He'd, he'd do his normal routine, but... Then very specifically, he'd be in the dining room or usually the front living room, and you would just see him reading his Bible. But as I got older, I kind of realized that, you know, that, that stuck, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm very fortunate to have a father that, you know, granted, he didn't, he didn't do a good job of, you know, instructing me verbally and saying, this is why you need to read your Bible, this is... This is what you need to get out of this specific text. We didn't really talk much uh, Bible or Bible study, really. And the fortunate thing was that since he lacked that, he still did a good job of teaching me by his action. But what I ended up struggling with as I got to you know, my young adult, especially my military time, I still loved reading my Bible. I still loved just text after text, or sometimes I would get a devotional. Um, I was a big fan of the Daily Bread book. And that's where I kind of realized as my parents were divorcing and a lot of, you know, some secrets from childhood came out, and I thought, okay, was he reading it or was he just reading it? So there's that tendency that to get wisdom is to get wisdom, but... It's not just to get all these facts and, and, and just to do it. There has to be a purpose behind it. There, like I said, your medical bag, you're putting stuff in there that needs to be used. I mean, as I got older, that was the struggle I had was I, I kind of, as much as I enjoyed reading God's Word to get God's Word, I realized I wasn't really using it. And it dawned on me more that what, the things I saw my dad do that's exactly what he was doing. He wasn't, I didn't really witness the, the actual study of the Bible. It was just a kind of a kinetic, uh, let me open this devotional. And, and I don't want to bash devotionals. Those are very helpful tools. Those are what help us track where we're at with God. But that's where a text like Proverbs 4 really starts to tell you, don't just do it to do it. We're not, we're not just, you know, it's not like, uh, we're just trying to 
fill in the time and gain all these facts. Um, one of my favorite illustrations from a guy uh, called Louis Giglio is a great communicator for the college arena. And he kind of gave this idea that, you know, I could have came here this morning and I could have thrown a pop quiz or a test at all of you guys and maybe some multiple choice on, you know, key texts in the Bible or all the disciples, um, maybe, uh, you know, what are all the Bibles of the, or what are all the books of the Bible and, and what order. And I think plenty of us could probably do a pretty good job. Maybe some of us could even ace it. And then what I love about his illustration is uh, when he was in college, he actually had an exam that he did that. He, he took the test, and he did a great job of it, but he was kind of upset that the professor didn't put more stuff on the test. So he flipped it over and wrote in there all the things that you did not ask me that I know about this particular subject. And again, I think plenty of us in this room, I could have, I could have brought in the test and you guys could have taken it and I, I bet many of us could flip it over and we could put things on there. Uh, Joe, you didn't ask me uh, this specific detail that I know about God. You didn't ask me this specific detail about uh, you know, some Old Testament narrative. Or maybe, uh, maybe the book of Ruth or Esther is important to some of the women in this room. And Joe, you didn't even, you didn't even talk about her. Um, and there's a reason to that. There's a reason that we can flip the test over and you can tell me all these things that you know about the Bible that I didn't ask you. And it's because it has some breath to it. It has some life to it. There's things that when we study them, and I, 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 forgive me for going back to the med bag uh, illustration. There's things that you've put back there that you've been hanging on to, and maybe, maybe you lost your job, or, or maybe there's a medical difficulty in the family, and that's been sitting back there, and God's putting it to use. God's giving it some action that when, maybe when you're a kid and you're reading something, you thought, well, when am I ever going to use this? Kind of like, you know, when am I ever going to, you know, break down a sentence and do all those math equations that I always had trouble doing? You find, you find that you realize that there's going to be a time, and here's the thing, even if there isn't, kind of like with my dad, uh, at least there's a testimony to it. You're showing, you're showing your children or you're showing your, your spouse or you're showing uh, a brother or a sister how important God's word is to me. You're showing them that my life is not just something I'm going to just do and live in the abundance of God's grace. Although I guess we could try to do that. But the testimony we give is that this is how joyous, or as we look back into the text, you know, verse 8, he says, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. And there's this idea that we're, we're leaving a testimony, or, or, or for those of us who have children, or maybe you don't even have children, but there's some young people in your life, and we are leaving them this, some kind of legacy that says, this is how important God's word was to me. I didn't just simply come and fill in a chair and, and just kind of do, do what I'm supposed to do every Sunday. Uh, that was the tendency for me as I, I, I left for the military was uh, 
like I said, I love to read my Bible, but I would, I, I, I would find a church and I'd just kind of show up. And the messages were great and all, but then I went back to my uh, business and went back to doing life. And, and when things wouldn't go my way or if certain trials happened, I'd be questioning why, why, why is it going on this way. And then you feel kind of like a goofball when you realize, well, maybe if I had translated what I've been reading or maybe if I had actually listened to what the pastor said, especially when it was very simple and applicable to me. Going back to the, uh, the analogy that this life is uh, kind of like a journey, uh, the thing I, that's why I love that, that idea that, uh, you know, we're constantly moving forward. We're kind of like when I, we would condition and we would run in the military. I always loved being in those situations. I wasn't the best at it. Sometimes I didn't even like it. But there's always this idea that this is exactly how my life is. Spiritually, I am, I'm, I'm walking today, and, and, and I, I just need some guidance, Father. I just need some guidance down this path. Or maybe some days, uh, you know, it's nice out, the sun's out, and we're just kind of walking about, and maybe there's some trees off to the left. And, but then there's that, that little path that is often the darker area of the trees, and there's this whole idea that, from our text, that we need to keep our gaze forward. And the way we do that, again, is by getting wisdom. We don't just find the path and, and walk and hope we get to the right place. We're actually walking with a purpose and walking with all the direction that we have in this book. And uh, there in verse 26 and 27, that, that kind of recaps the, the imagery there of the, the race or the journey. And the way I think it also translates into, um, you know, as I said, Solomon wrote the Proverbs. Well, he wrote most of them. And, and what I love is there is some New Testament connection that even pulls in Solomon and it kind of explains to us even more uh, the purpose of the church here. In uh, Luke eleven thirty one, 31, uh, the, it, it reminds us of the same story that's in First uh, Kings, where the uh, queen of the south uh, will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And that also alludes to Matthew uh, 12, but it also kind of reminds me of Matthew 7, and we all know that one very well, that the, the path is narrow. Or, uh, here, let me just read it for those of us who need a refresher. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the, great, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Something greater than Solomon is here, and, and, and that's where Christ kind of came in, and he gave us the church. He said, the holiness that I've given you isn't going to be something that you can just simply grasp. The, the gate is narrow, and so 
on the path, we have to constantly be throwing these things in our pack. We constantly need to be finding the right direction to take. Or maybe when we take in the wrong direction, we need to have something to help pull us back. And that, again, that's where we pull it out. It's been sitting back there, and we just didn't remember it. And we needed a reminder. And then back, uh, back to our last verse there. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And that's, I love the way it ends there. That, it goes right back to where it started with uh, the, the idea of it being a journey. That I'm not going to swerve to the right or to the left. I'm going to fix my gaze on uh, those, those of us here in the 21st century. We can fix our gaze on, on Jesus. We can fix our gaze on the cross. And even though there's the tendency of, of temptation or, um, you know, tricking ourselves into thinking, well, this, this might be a better route, we're still always going to have something to pull us back onto the race. And the way uh, I was thinking of it also this morning was back to with my father. I mean, there were things that he never taught me. And then now that I've been in school, I'll, I'll have discussions with him. And I kind of realize that, you know, I'm kind of very fortunate to be where God has placed me. And I'm, again, I'm very fortunate that I saw that in him. And I kind of get the idea that he's back on a better track where he's not just doing it kinetically. He's not just reading his Bible to read it or uh, to just, you know, fill his morning. But that there's actually something that's being produced in him after all the trials that he's been through and that our family's been through. And the fortunate thing for me also is when I think about my daughter is I don't want to just, I don't want to leave that legacy. I don't want her to just see, oh, dad's, dad's reading his Bible, so let me leave him alone. And, and maybe she kind of just looks at it like I did where, oh, it's a serious thing. And it's not. It's a joyous thing. When we look at our text, he says to prize her, and to, uh, when you look at some of the other Proverbs, uh, the preceding uh, chapters, they have the same imagery that we're supposed to you know, keep it with us. And it's, again, it's not just something to keep and to get wisdom to have it, but uh, I think we all can remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and, and, and we read his word, and we don't just simply get the wisdom, but we realize that his word is a direction. His word is not what I can produce. And that's why chapters in Deuteronomy that talk about impressing these things on our children are so important because it's not, it's not something that you can just show your kids or show your family and friends with how the way you're living. It's something that we also have to teach. I don't ever want a day to go by that all I simply do is read and my wife or my daughter see me do that, there, there has to be a relationship to it. There has to be direction to it. And that's what I love about seeing a church like this, that you guys, uh, from what I gather, that's what the whole point is going through John. Uh, I just imagine people going off to having lunch, and you guys are able to, every week, talk about what's coming out of that text instead of maybe going off and having lunch and, so how's everybody's week? There's, there's a P 
piece of the puzzle being added every week, or, or maybe in your study that you're doing on Sunday evenings, now you're realizing that there's, a more, there's more to the Bible than just facts or history or just all these narrative stories that sound kind of interesting. I mean, many of us can probably relate to, uh, especially when I was a kid, you'd start with Genesis, Exodus, and then I'd kind of get to Leviticus and Numbers, and I kind of would not really want to keep reading because I thought, what are all these numbers and sacrifices? How are they going to relate? And, and that's why a text like ours this morning is very important because I know I'm not a kid anymore, and I know I can't use that excuse anymore. I mean, I probably have read Genesis more time than any book in the Bible because I would stop at Exodus and Leviticus or Numbers, and I'd give up. And then sometime later I'd realize, well, no, I need to, I need to start over again and, and actually do it this time. And then I wouldn't, and then I'd go back. And now I can look back and realize that there was some point to it. There's a story of knowing God in even the, even the tedious of all texts that we might think. One of the, for instance, one of the first sermons I ever preached in my actual class, uh, I found it ironic that the professor put in, for one of the texts, he put a genealogy text in there. And I thought, why did he put that in there? Nobody's going to grab it. And I felt like he was kind of teasing me or teasing someone like me who thought, well, no one else is going to grab it, and I think I can grab it and do a pretty decent job of it because I, I, I began to realize that there is a story behind that whole list. There's a story behind someone like King Josiah who found a Bible or found the Pentateuch and decided we're not living for God the way we're supposed to be living. We haven't celebrated the Passover. We don't even have a clue of what we're doing. Or there's a story of someone like Ruth who uh, becomes kind of a redemptive pattern in the sense that when you look at that lineage, it leads all the way to guys like David and Solomon. And then it leads all the way to Christ. And again, back to our illustration of if I brought you a pop quiz, you guys could flip it over and plenty of you could tell me all these things that I didn't ask you and it is because there's a, uh, there's a knowledge, there is a, my wife's going to hate it that uh, I make up my own word here, but there's a knowingness to it. There's a, I have seen God in my life. And the reason I've seen him in my life is because he gave me these texts. He gave me his word and kind of like how Paul said it, all scripture is God breathed and it has life to it. It has something to it that's not just a book, it's not just a uh, a, a collection of words and sentences or, or you know, back when it was written, Hebrew and Greek text. It's, it's not just a jumble of that. It is something that has actual life to it. And we need to be people and, and people who just want to do nothing but live in the joy of His Word. We need to be people who, life's getting burdensome. We don't want to carry this pack anymore, but we know that there's a point to it. We know there's a purpose to everything that he's granted us to read and to understand, or maybe we didn't even understand it, but he's given us people in our lives, family members or parents who can teach it and actually instruct the children into what it's explaining to them in every text. Or, or uh, when I worked with junior hires for a little while, 
you'd get all those ridiculous questions of, well, you know, where'd the dinosaurs go in Noah's Ark, and uh, is that what happened, or, you know, what happened when they started having kids, you know, Adam and Eve, did their kids have, have to marry their siblings, and, and you have all these random questions they throw out, and, and, and then you realize that the answers are somewhere hidden in there, we just have to study them, and we have to use some humility also in certain contexts like that. I don't know the best way now, even after I've been asked certain questions like that, to give a specific answer, but I have some kind of direction. And then I can also just get them back on track and say, well, that's not the main point. We're here to talk about this, not all these random questions you have. We have something with direction to it. And where that leads back to the path and the the, the journey that we're on is we need to also realize that when I threw out all the age groups, I don't care if you're young or if you're old, there's still time. We don't know what God has in store for us. We don't even know what he's going to use with all that knowledge we have. When it comes to all the time that we have, God says basically that uh, I've used you for a specific purpose. And when I keep going back to the pack idea, there's going to be certain things in there that each and every one of us can use that I can't use. I mean, I'm not, I'm only 28. I'm, I, I don't have experiences that certain other men in this room have. And that's what's so unique about the church. That's so unique about God's word. And he's called us to be people who are holy and devout to his word and we can only do that by leading each other and helping each other on the path that's why when we would run in groups it was usually common for the guy who fell out that we'd all have to turn around and go back for him and sometimes they wouldn't but you'd have one or two buddies who'd decide well somebody's got to go back and you know run real slow next to him or maybe somebody falls out and rolls their ankle and or uh, typically with some of the Marines, they would have been drinking the night before, and so we definitely have to, uh, at least me as the medical personnel, would have to go check up on them. And so uh, as we close this morning, that's, all, that's what I want to share is this idea that it's, it's not just an idea of getting wisdom to get it, but it's, a, it's a, a wisdom to leave on to some legacy and to also bring up our children in the way of instruction. And then there in verse 26 and 27, I know we already read them, but I think it's a great way to end that, you know, ponder the path of your your feet. And that's what the church is about. We are pondering every day, every, every milestone of our life, when we consider our children or when we consider... Those of us who don't have children, when we consider those loved ones close to us that we're instructing, we're pondering the path. And we're not just doing it for ourselves, but we're doing it to uh, expand the kingdom and exalt who God is. So uh, let's pray this morning. Uh, Father, I just thank you uh, so much for, first off, giving us your word. And I just uh, thank you for this body of believers who is faithful to coming here this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning that they come here to uh, learn more about who you are and not just to fill up a page with some facts, but that they are people who can 
utilize what you've given them this week and next week and every week after that. Uh, just, Father, I pray that you be with those uh, this week who are hurting or have some tribulations and trials. And just, Father, be with the, those in this church that are dealing with that. And let us be body of believers who come to them and, and bring them instruction and some healing that can come from your word. And just be with us as we pursue and try to exalt you with everything we got this week uh, and give us time and patience and clarity on really beginning to try to study your word or maybe maybe somebody's here this morning lord who's struggling with making the time or 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 finding the motivation to pick a certain time in the morning or a certain time of the day or the week to just share Uh, with you and your word. And we love you this morning, Father. In your name, amen.